Hello and welcome to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Don Hibbert. And I'm Courtney Bronze. And each week we bring you conservation topics and events from around the endless mountains. So how many times have you been around, you know, some sort of water body, whether it's a lake or pond, river or creek, and you've seen that tall bluish colored bird just standing there? I mean, for me, it was even just a couple weeks ago, I was out on the lake kayaking there it was right so uh, chances are pretty good that you saw a blue heron and while we see them around I think it's a safe bet that uh, many of us don't know much about the life of a heron I mean you know for you do you know too much I mean I I didn't prior to researching the show no yeah so why don't we find out together so there's about 60 different species of herons throughout the world Um, There's actually four here in PA. We're just going to focus on the great blue. But um, herons, bitterns, and egrets are all closely related. And they're wading birds with long slender legs, long necks, and long heavy bills that taper to a sharp point. Um, So they are classified as predators. So they feed on fish, um, frogs, crayfish, snakes, insects, invertebrates, and small rodents. And because they are wading birds, that means they typically hunt in shallow water along the shoreline. So as Dawn said, in Pennsylvania, you know, they're found on our lakes, reservoirs, ponds, rivers, etc. Basically any areas with bodies of water. And although they are predators, they're also prey to some species. So fox, mink, and raccoon are the main predators. But crows, hawks, and some tree-climbing snakes will also rob their nest of eggs. Um, Way back when, they were killed for their plumage. People used it to decorate women's hats and other clothing. Today, habitat loss is the primary threat to herons and other similar bird species, and degraded and acidic waterways also negatively affect herons. So today, they are protected under the Federal Migratory Bird Treaty Act of 1918, so they are not able to be harvested for anything anymore. All right, so let's focus particularly on the great blue heron. It's actually the largest of the dark herons, and they're approximately 38 to 53 inches long, and I think the most astounding part is their wingspan. That's um, roughly 70 inches wide. Yeah, so it's almost six feet. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I'm six foot tall, and just to imagine a bird's wingspan like that, it's, that's nuts. Their head's mostly white, and they have a thick black stripe over their eye, and a feathery black crest. Uh, the underparts are dark gray, and the back and wings are actually the grayish blue. Um, so if we talk about migration and breeding, uh, it turns out that from mid-March to late May, kind of like right in this particular time of year, the great blue heron is a common migrant in Pennsylvania. Um, so I did wonder about that myself, um, but they do migrate generally. We'll get to that in just a bit here. But uh, during the summer, they're a breeding resident. They typically inhabit areas that have suitable nesting trees, and that's likely near water. Um, And they can nest singly or in colonies. So that's an interesting fact as well. Um, They're most often found in colonies, which I don't know if I've really seen a bunch of blue herons together. Have you? There is one. It's like a nest colony um, right off of I-80 outside of Dubois. You can see from the interstate. I've seen that one. That's cool. Uh, Yeah, you know, just when you're kayaking on local streams, um, I just see them typically 
by themselves, but uh, I'd like to see that sometime. So uh, the multiple nests, they can be found in the same tree. Uh, their nests, as it turns out, are super large. If you have a wingspan of six feet, you gotta have a large nest. Um, so they're made up of large sticks lined with fine twigs and uh, built in sturdy crotches around limbs. And the males, they're the ones that bring the nesting materials and the females, they do much of the nest building. So once the nest is built, the females will lay three to six pale bluish green eggs. And then both the male and female will take turns incubating the eggs over about the next 28 days. And once the eggs hatch, both parents feed the young until they're ready to leave in about seven to 11 weeks. So in the fall months, the migration is gradual. It's not well defined. So some herons will actually remain as winter residents and they'll hang out along waterways until they're iced over or until the fish populations are depleted. Their legs have to get really cold. Yeah. So when they do migrate, the species winters primarily along the Atlantic coast or the southern states and some go to Central and South America. All right, so let's talk a little bit about hunting. Uh, when hunting, a great blue heron will walk slowly to the shallow water, which is kind of what we usually see them doing. Um, outside of breeding season, they're generally solitary and they'll hunt by themselves. The most common given call is a loud series of three or four horse squawks. Um, we were going to play one for you, but they just sound so strange. Yeah, they're pretty terrible. Yeah, so not, not pleasant to the ears. Um, they'll also forage at night. And even at night, they'll often squawk loudly. Certain adaptations help herons to wade and catch prey in shallow water. The most obvious adaptation are the long legs. Um, they have long, flexible toes, and that really helps them to stand on the soft ground. The sharp-tipped bill is mostly used for grasping, but it can also be used to impale the prey. They have a long, muscular neck that allows for herons to deliver lightning quick blow uh, with plenty of force to penetrate the water and grab the fish. As far as their feathers are concerned, uh, they really have some well-developed powder down areas of feathers uh, with tips that continually disintegrate in the powder. Preening or grooming helps them distribute this powder to the rest of their plumage. So the powder actually helps to absorb the oil and scum and slime and it keeps the heron and dry. So these herons benefit greatly from projects done on both PA state land um, as well as private land. So wildlife management areas such as Pima Tuning, Middle Creek, and Shahola Lake on State Game Lands 180 provide many acres of marsh habitat. And propagation areas within these management areas restrict public access to protect the herons and other wildlife, especially during breeding season. Um, the Pennsylvania Game Commission also owns and manages some of the largest wetlands in the state, and these areas are critical nesting and foraging areas for herons and many other species. And several of these wetlands and larger heron colonies have been designated as important bird areas. Um, these colonies are really important to protect because herons concentrate so much of their population in one area. I guess as the Game Commission words it, they literally put all of their eggs in one basket. So it's really important to protect that basket. So going back to the wetlands, um, that's why it's so important to make sure that we're protecting those wetlands and keeping them clean 
Well, hey, speaking of birds, uh, we do have an event that focuses on birds. Uh, it's down at Keystone College, and they're calling it Birding for Beginners. They're actually uh, doing three different events. Uh, it'll be three Saturdays in May, May 7th, May 14th, and May 28th. Join an experienced birder for a casual walk in the Woodland Campus. And they mentioned that all birding levels are welcome. Uh, you'll be learning the basics of identifying birds by sight and sound, identifying features and calls and songs. Uh, walks are casual and offer time to enjoy the birds with others. If you do need binoculars, they got you covered. And pre-registration is required because space is limited. So to register, you can go to keystonecollege.com. It will also post the direct link on the Conservation Corner page. Salt Springs State Park is also having a full moon hike on Saturday, May 14th. It's at 8.30 p.m. And they invite you to come explore the park by the light of a full moon and then end the evening around a campfire sharing snacks and stories. So if you attend, they ask that you bring a snack to share and a flashlight. The program fee is $5 per person, $15 for families, and free for members. All right, I guess that does it for today's show. If you have any questions related to our shows, you can contact the Conservation District by calling 570-782-2105. If you missed a portion of today's show, you can go to our website, www.suscondistrict.org, and find our Conservation Corner page with past episodes, links to information about past episodes, and a contact form where you can reach out and you can ask questions or you can make comments about the show. You can even suggest ideas for future shows. You've been listening to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Courtney Bronze. And I'm Don Hibbard saying, enjoy the outdoors. <laughs>